glorious evening, everyone. The Watchman Podcast, live and direct. Getting the other brothers in here real quick. Find Joshua. There he is. Boom. Got to get my charger going as well. Phone's about dead. Welcome in. Pastor Jason Park. Yeah. Joshua Isles. What's up? Evangelist on the street. Yeah, boy. Healing the sick. Going toe to toe with the devil and his. We were laying hands. James is about to start throwing hands. (laughs) Hey, you know, uh, I wasn't going to put nothing on him until he touched me. And then I I know, I just. I was going to show him how the Holy Ghost roll. Yeah. It's funny, man. Every time stuff like that goes down, I think about uh, David Hogan, where he was talking to some kid where he was in the church and he was like, Boy, you let me put my hands on you, you're gonna go blind. (laughs) (laughs) You should have seen the fear that rushed over that guy when he jumped in my face and started cussing. And I didn't bat an eye and I said, Make your move. (laughs) You should have seen. He was like, He was not expecting that at all. Make your move. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. Like one of the things that I that I said um, when we were at that place was like when people come out like that. It was the same way with that black Hebrew Israelite lady from you know a few weeks ago. You really can't entertain certain people like that. You can't no. give them too much attention or entertain entertain it too much um, because all, that's what they're wanting is they're wanting you know some people feed off of the drama. Yeah. They feed off the arguments. And we know well, that the Satan that are inside of them that feed off that. It's it's a intimidation, it's a fear, it's uh uh it's just it's it's the it's the demons in them. You know that guy came out obviously possessed just by his wardrobe was saying that he was in covenant with demons that he didn't even understand. You know, and that's the thing is. Yeah, yeah, and maybe I mean. Yeah, but, you know, even stuff like that, it's just, you know, telling them that or whatever. It's just antagonizing them. Um, whereas, like, when we went upstairs, you know, his his girl wasn't quite as combative. Like, she wasn't down there getting in people's face, but she was still yelling and cussing and doing all that. And when we went upstairs, because um, we went to their floor right at first, and she was trying to do the exact same thing. Um, with Yvonne and I and Yvonne approached her and was really calm and just spoke to her in love and it shut it it shut it down she didn't try to argue with her and she you know she didn't try to come back and and do anything like that and the the girl did not know how to respond and it basically shut her down and we went on our you know we went on our way and knocked on some other doors Um, the guy was you know he was a lot more aggressive but just like like what what Jason did at first when he came down there and started cussing and yelling and doing all that and Jason was like 
can we can we pray for you <laughs> dude was like uh, any short circuited you know he didn't know what to do sometimes that's the best way to handle people like that is because they feed off that drama you know they want they want that fight even if it is yeah. the demons inside of them i mean they he was clear he was clearly being being motivated by something other than himself that yes. was it was obvious you could see the rage in his eyes you people don't get that upset over you know for no reason they don't get that upset because yeah. you're there making some noise in their apartment complex music. yeah 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 so i mean it was clearly triggered yeah it clearly triggered something inside of him but a lot of times people like that you just got to be like dude I i'm not going to participate in this with you if you don't like it you know go do what you got to do but we're going to continue on yeah yeah definitely so uh tonight i'd like to talk about you know just sent that text over uh in the group chat of the show ideas uh since we did outreach today I, I think we should just go ahead and run with outreach how it's important and how to start doing your own outreach program for any of those who are listening and are interested in and in how to get started and what to do in the mindset that you have to be in to uh to go out and be prepared to uh to preach the gospel to those on the street that's cool with yeah, you guys cool. yeah absolutely Sounds good to me well jason since you're the the leader of it all we'll go ahead and let you start uh why is outreach important is the question that i'd like you guys to field and and you can jump in there too joshua and give give your reasoning why you think it's important because i think being able to reach people that one who may be afraid to leave their house you know mm -hmm. as as we were being cussed today they, they kept referring to the church the church the church and one of my responses yeah. is this is the church you know we are the church yeah. we don't need a structure to to hold us and uh that's just my opinion on it that it, it's it's what real church is is what i believe outreach is yeah absolutely absolutely um how about you open us up in prayer first and then we'll get going but let's do it Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your breath, that you have breathed life into us, that we have new breath, that we have your word and the understanding of your word. And we thank you for sending your son, that you knew at the beginning of time that your son was going to have to, to carry the burdens of our sin, and that you loved us so much that you sent your only son, Jesus. And we thank you. Jesus, for carrying that cross, for carrying those burdens. We thank you for the stripes that you bore for our transgression. We thank you for sending back your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the salvation that's in your blood and the healing that's in your blood. I proclaim healing over all those who hear these words tonight and may hear them or listen to them in the future. I proclaim healing over them right now and any illness that is, that is bothering them will lift and will Bend the knee to Jesus Christ because he is the ruler over all sickness and disease. And I stand firm behind that knowing that he healed me, that I've been healed because I prayed the blood and I held communion with him every day. Jesus, thank you for the Holy Ghost. I thank you that I can sanctify this temple for you. I give you all jurisdiction in my temple and over these airwaves that we yield this show to you that you lead. And we thank you. We thank you for all that you've done. We bless you, God. 
We thank you for being such a good father. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Oh, man. Why is outreach essential and so important? Yes. Unless I said it's essential. Hallelujah. Essential, yes. I like how you <laughs> added that in there. You don't even um, have a mask why? on. I ain't have a mask on. Come on now. Uh, you know, to me, I mean, it's, you know, we're commanded, you know, number one, the number one reason why outreach, why the gospel, why preach, uh, why share the good news. Uh, number one, we are commanded by Jesus. Uh, the, the great commission was, was, is, uh, uh, was, and is not, uh, a suggestion the great commission was a command and is a command and uh it was never a suggestion jesus didn't say hey you know if you feel like it you know go into the uttermost parts of samarita and preach the gospel if you feel like it go into judea and share the good news If if you feel like it no the gospel was a direct command from the lord jesus christ he said as you go, preach, Come on. decree, declare, herald, announce. That's words that are describing the word preach in the Greek. Is to herald, is to proclaim, is to announce, is to make known the kingdom of God. As you go, preach, decree, and declare that the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers cast out devils freely you've received freely give away so we are not only commanded to go into all the world but we are commanded to freely give away what we have received and what have we received we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken according to scripture That's why Peter at the gate called beautiful in Acts chapter three said silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto thee So good in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. You see, we have the authority of the kingdom. We've been given the authority of the kingdom. Not only have we been commissioned and commanded to go into all the world, but we have the kingdom resonant with inside of us. And the manifestations of that kingdom happen when we show up. Jesus said this to the Pharisees when the Pharisees came accusing him of having a devil and casting out demons by the prince of demons or the power of demons. And Jesus said, a house divided cannot stand can't stand against itself. He said, however, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God is among you. So these manifestations that take place whenever we present the kingdom and bring the kingdom into all the world were a byproduct of the command when we obey the command of the gospel. The signs, the wonders, the miracles, they follow us wherever we Go, Jesus said in Luke 17, 22, the kingdom of God is within you. That's why we're able to give away what we freely have is because the kingdom 
is resident inside of you and I as a believer. The Holy Spirit has now taken residence inside of our hearts. So number one, why? Why? Why go into the world and preach the gospel? Because it's a command of Jesus. It's a direct command from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that we go into all the world and share the good news of the gospel, that we go into all the world and we demonstrate the kingdom, that we, we're going to be hated, we're going to be spit on, we're going to be cussed at, we're going to be hit, we're going to be whatever, rejected. And Jesus said this, he said, marvel not when men despise you and reject you. He said, don't marvel at these things. He said, for so they part, he said, don't marvel at the persecution. He said, for so they persecuted the prophets, which were before you. He, he already prepped us to know that we're going to experience the rejection because uh, they're rejecting the Holy Spirit because their deeds are in darkness and they don't like the light of the gospel coming and exposing their deeds because their deeds reveal their true nature or the nature of who they are when they're because they're children of the devil. You know, uh, you know, even first, first John says this, you know, John said this in, in first John, he said that you are of the devil. You're, you're a liar and you're of the devil, you're children of the devil and the devil uh, that, you know, the men hate, uh, they hate uh, light because they, they love darkness and they, they hate light because their deeds are dark. And so uh, when we, even when we experience the rejection, when we're out on the streets, man, that's just the sign that the Lord is really with us, man. Uh, we can look at it one or two ways. We can get discouraged. Even myself got a little discouraged earlier today, uh, you know, because I just wanted to see something blow up, man, you know, and that's my heart. It's my heart is for harvest. I want to see people come into the knowledge of what we're walking in. And it's mm -hmm. not a, from a pious standpoint of I'm right and you're wrong. I know, you know, uh, you know, that, that mentality, but it's more about a humility, man, because I know the love of God. I've experienced the love of God and I want people to experience that. So, you know, number one, the command of the gospel is for you and I to go into all the world and preach. Yeah. That, and the biggest part of what you said, um, for me, it's, it's the, not so much that it's a command, even though it is, and we're supposed to obey, but for me, it's, what you kind of touched on there at the end, it's what we have experienced, what we are experiencing daily, the, the knowledge of who he is and his goodness, the joy that we're able to walk in every day, what we have freely received, I want to freely give out. You know, I, that's one of the things that, that breaks my heart the most is the, the struggle and the difficulty in expressing how good God is and expressing the difference of once you really experience him, once you have truly been born again, once you're, you are really filled with his Holy spirit and you are walking with him daily and he is abiding in you, you're abiding in him. And what a difference that makes uh, versus what many of the people who I talk with where they they're like, I was raised in church. I know all these scriptures, you know, they're able to quote scripture to you and they talk about how they're raised in church, but you can tell that there's no joy in their life, that there's no, there's no difference between them and somebody who's lost, except that they say, oh, I'm good. I got saved, you know, 
long time ago. I've been going to church my whole life. Or I'm like, why are you not smiling? Why are you not filled with joy? Why are you not out here telling people about the goodness of God? Why are you know? It, it's like you know maybe it's everybody's not sure. called. It, either that or it's it's they're just stuck in a place of thinking that that's all there is which yeah. is one of the biggest that's one of the biggest things i've experienced more so than it being a chore but that they think that i have experienced what all i am going is. to yeah. experience all that there is it's it's church I've, I've been in church i'm not telling you to go to church Oh, I, you know, I know scripture. I'm not telling you to memorize scripture. I'm telling you to, to meet Jesus. I'm trying to get you to meet right. the King. I'm trying to get you to, to actually experience this. Um, you know, and that, I don't know. That's, that's one of the biggest things, you know, and, and one thing that like that girl at the first place today, she was telling us like when Yvonne and I went up there, she was telling us that, you know, everybody's religion, their own religion and their own faith is their own personal business. And it's like, well, if you don't actually really believe, like truly deep down, believe that your way, the way that you're living the religion, just to use that same word, that your religion is the right one, then no, it's, it doesn't matter if you tell people about it. But if all, we already know that all religion, all faith does not get the same end result. We know that there's only one way to eternal life. There's only one way to experience eternal life. There's only one way to live in the fullness of, of life that Jesus came and paid for and, and that God wants to give us. You know, he, his, God's intent from the beginning was never for us to just have an average life and just go through you get up, you're a kid, you have fun as a kid, you grow up and you work until you die. That's never what it was supposed to be. You know, we're supposed yeah. to be living an abundant life. Yes. But, every, you know, people don't realize that. They, they, they have bought into the lie of this world and they've bought into the lie of the enemy that life is just what you have to deal with and go through every day. And it's going to be monotonous. There will be ups and downs. And you just do this well, until you die. You it know? all goes and, back and, to, to the spell that they're under. You know, we can chase that right on down to the, the heliocentric model. You know, your, your primordial goo, your, first you were cosmic space dust that crawled out of primordial goo that's in an infinite universe and that you're so insignificant that it doesn't matter who or what you are that you really have no purpose because you're just cosmic space dust instead of knowing that you were created in the image of God, that you were created in the image of love, that you have a purpose, that you were created on purpose and for a purpose. And that's the reason they're, they're, they're all captivated by this spell that they don't even know they're under right now. And they think that they're insignificant. Yeah, that is a big part of it. Hey, before we get too much further, those messages, excuse me, are from uh, Honey Ann. We, you want to play those real yeah, quick? Yeah, we'll hit them back to back. Hello, hello, hello. Just passing through. Thought I'd send lots of love and light. Thank you. And good vibes. Y'all's way from my heart to yours. God bless each and every one of you. And thank you for sharing this content. Yes, ma'am. Second one. 
and all these people that are divided. When Jesus was asked for the most important two commandments, what did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your mind, strength, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as you would love yourself. And your neighbor of people is not just the person next door. Your neighbor is the entire world. Yep. That's right. Yeah. I was talking that about that earlier. In. Yeah. That ties in with what we're talking about. You know, you get out because we, because we know the life we have, we know what we've experienced. We know who we have met and who we get to serve that we, we love these people so much that we get out and we try to introduce them to the King. We try to introduce them to the savior who, who saved us and then also gave us life. Um, so yeah, she's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and earlier I was talking, I can't remember who I was talking with uh, about those two commandments. It was while we were out today. I believe it was uh, Jason, the the guy who just got saved last weekend that you, you've uh, helped out and uh, was telling awesome. me that the reason that we have that Jesus said that these are the two most important is because if you're following these two commandments, if you're putting nothing in above our father, then you're not idolizing anything. And if you love your neighbor, then you're not going to covet against anything that they have. You're not going to murder. You're not going to steal from them because you're loving them as you would want to be loved. And it's not that it was Rabbi Rick who I was talking to. That's who it was. And it's not that you aren't going to work the other commandments or even the other laws. It's just that he, Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher said that these are the two most important because if you operate in these two alone, then you don't have to worry about stealing or killing or coveting or envying or idolizing anything because you, you're keeping these two commandments, which pretty much just keeps you from treading over any of the other ones. If you love somebody, you're not going to steal from them. You shouldn't, you know, you're not going to kill them. You're not going to uh, sleep with their wife. You know, you're not going to, to, do any of and that's just the thing you know it's love thy neighbor as you love yourself and she was absolutely correct it doesn't mean the person that's directly next door it, it means even those who are going to stir against you and uh i don't know today i'm taking as a learning learning experience on that uh i wish i could have quoted more scripture to a homeboy while he was going off but other than that i think it was all right just keep at it keep doing that thing i think it was all right too i think you handled it with grace brother you know what i mean probably handled it a lot better <laughs> uh, i know somebody that had to literally get pulled by their arm from uh you know by their spouse back from going and bring in confrontation the young man that was cussing you out in your face <laughs> I'll yeah share he that wasn't often. expecting uh that he thought that when he was screaming all the profanities right in my face he thought that he was going to scare me and yeah. when there was no backing down and all i said was okay make your move like when i said that you should have i wish that i had it recording so that i could yes. have showed the video of the fear that washed over that guy because he started backpedaling quickly. What are you going to beat me up for Christ? 
touch me in five Yeah, minutes? he was – yeah. you know, I, I, I believe that they they saw us coming. You know what I mean? They they saw us coming. They, You know, they were, you know – Yeah, well, I seen him walking up to the, uh, the stairway yeah. when we were pulling in. Yeah. And, and we don't is know how much is. they that's were a, arguing a, before they came out, too. You know, I'm sure that they're not right. they're not happy people. You know, they're right. They're I can, not. You know, well, we, you could hear the hostility after even after you walked away, him yelling at his at his girlfriend. You know, stay out of his stay out of his personal stuff or something other. You know, so he was kind of yelling to begin with. But you know, it's a learning curve for us today, man. You know, uh, I'll get I'll I'll check with the housing department there and get permission in that actual location. See if we can get permission to go in there. You know, yeah. And let them not, know too. We're going if we can stuff. get in there. We're going to bring in grills. That we're going to cook, you know, hot dogs and hamburgers. We'll even, I'll yeah. even bring a hot plate in and we'll, we'll throw some fries in a skillet and deep fry those things too. I mean, we'll do it up proper and feed that neighborhood right. Yeah. And, and if we can't, we'll just go to the far end so they can't hear us. <laughs> That's Hallelujah. It, huh? We'll grab honey in real quick. I don't mean to keep interrupting you guys, but the spirit moves in me to speak. And I've got to tell you, you know, it, it really reminds me and of a time when I finally came to realize when somebody's attacking you, it's not that person that's actually attacking no. you. It's the demons that reside inside right. of them. Because we know that Jesus told us, you know, that when the world hates us and attacks us, well, he gets it because he was attacked first. You know, he was yeah. hated first. So, you know, if the world is hating us and attacking us, well, that's we're doing we're on the right path that's right that's how i feel about this strongly we are on the right path you know because it always reminds me that we are light we are the light of the world and when we enter into a room or somewhere that darkness has to flee because mm -hmm. there can't be any darkness in light right. so the darkness hates the light so we're just to keep you know god's mighty soldiers we're going to keep marching on you know that's it and that's exactly how i was looking at it too you know like we we're on point. We were so on point that when we pulled up the demons that were inside of them, and obviously he had demons. He was already in covenant with one as he was wearing it on his pullover. Those demons started stirring so much that they knew they had to get us out of there or else they were going to lose jurisdiction. They were going to lose ground in that, that place today. I just look at it as we, we had it. We 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 were on point that it was just that an attack that the enemy knew that if he didn't get us out of there he was going to lose ground. Yeah, that's yeah, what I was telling exactly. Pastor John. I was like, that was a good sign, you know, that we were there. You know, that that manifested was a good sign. Go ahead, Joshua. All right, somebody was calling me and it muted me for a second. I had to hang up on him. Um, yeah, if I really, I was going to comment on, on what honey Ann said. That's, that is one of the things that I say on a regular basis. If you look around at the world and if the world, if the crowd, if, if culture is going one direction and you see everything, you know, this one thing is popular and it looks like everybody's headed that direction, you can pretty much guarantee that's the broad road that I don't want to be on. It's just a, that's a safe bet to say, oh, if, if the world is going this way, if pop culture, if the crowd is going this way, I probably want to be headed the other direction. Um, 
because we know that the path that we're supposed to be walking is narrow. And, you know, the Bible says that few people find that gate, few people find the gate that we're supposed to walk through. So uh, she is, she is exactly right. Yeah. You know, that was something that I was, uh, that I was really, I mean, it really started uh, for me on social media posting about, you know, this, this upcoming holiday, but it always, you know, I'm always on that point of popular culture, you know, and knowing who sells you this popular culture and why it's sold to, to the masses, you know, and we as Christians are supposed to be separate of this world. We're not supposed to be doing and saying and watching and listening and participating in the things of this world. And, when you boil it down and you find out who your true controllers of this realm is, when you find out that every bit of it is owned by a a particular group of men, then it ignorance is bliss is all I can say. When you you do not know. And then you have somebody, go ahead. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. I've got somebody asking me what other platforms are we putting this on? Uh, right now, I know you've been working with some other stuff. Yeah, I didn't do restream tonight just because nobody else is doing video yet. And once okay. we get other people doing video, we'll be doing it on uh, restream, which will be YouTube, uh, Facebook right. Live, and Twitch. Okay, okay, gotcha. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, it's all good. And, you know, once you find out who who these controllers are, who our masters are, because, you know, that's what they are. They control us through through arts, entertainment, sports, and politics. That, that's, that's it. That is it. You know, it's, it's bread and circuses. And it's something that I've been telling the, the masses about for years. But back then I was just considered a, you know, crazy conspiracy theorist. Well, now I'm an extremist Christian conspiracy theorist, which sounds pretty cool. You know, you get two new adjectives in there. But uh, that's just it. When, when you boil it down, And you see that all roads lead to Rome. It's not just a cliche that everything goes back. And I mean, it goes back further than Rome because, you know, they, the, they were only doing the same thing that they were learning out of Egypt, you know, out of Babylon. It's the same stuff. When you boil it down, those sorcerers, those warlocks are the same people who are running everything today. And it's bread and circuses. You look up the definition of bread and circuses. It says a diet of entertainment and political policies fed to the masses. Fed to the masses. That's where it gets really like you got to listen to the words they use to keep them happy and docile. And this is something that they've been owning this craft for 2,300 years now. You know, it goes back to the Grecians when it really, when you really get down to it. And this is something that, that they have been, and I say they with the air quotations and people, you know, all the time they want to ask, well, who are the, they, and that's the thing is we don't know who the, they are, but we know that they is there. And a perfect example of the, of that, let me pull up this real quick so I can uh, read it right off. It's out of a book called Propaganda, written by Edward Bernays. 
All right. I know I've, I've quoted this quote several times with you guys. Edward Bernays wrote this book in 1928, and he was trying to sell propaganda as a good thing. I suggest everyone reads this book because it shows you and tells you who the they are. We won't know who the they are, but we know that they is there because one of them who was in with them, Edward Bernays, he was known as the one of the most influential men of the 20th century. He lived the whole 20th century is the reason he was born like 1870 something, died in 1995. The, but okay, so his his quote is the conscious and intelligent manipulation of an organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element of the democratic society. Get ready for this. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. Now, keep in mind, this was written in 1928, everybody written in 1928. Here's where it gets super juicy. He says we are governed. Our minds are molded, our taste form, our ideas suggested, our ideas suggested. So your thoughts are not even your thoughts, largely by men who have never even heard of them. So right there, he tells you there is the they men that we have never even heard of. He goes on to say, this is a logical result of the way in which a democratic society is organized. Vast number of human beings must cooperate in this manner if they are to live together as a smoothly functioning society in almost every act of our daily lives, whether in the sphere of politics or business, in our social conduct or our ethical thinking, we are dominated by a relatively small number of persons who understand the mental process and social patterns of the masses. It is they who pull the wires which control the public mind. That's the thing, is these people are under a spell. All of us were at one time, but they're under a spell and they don't even realize it. They don't even know it, that they are being controlled through what they view and hear through their eyes and ear gates. And that's why we as Christians are to protect our eyes and ears. We are to be in this world, but not of this world. Because when we go around hooping and hollering for your favorite stickball team, or you go around watching all these Marvel demigods, or you go around watching or listening to uh, popular music that's, that's just full of profanity and, and and idolizing money and gold and diamonds and putting something else in front of God other than God himself. So uh, I'm going to jump real quick to these questions. They're, they're coming in two at a time. It's a funny Ann again. Oh, let me get my finger away from that. There we go. You know what propaganda is? Propaganda is written all over the reciprocals in Mexico. Propaganda means trash, garbage, and that's exactly what propaganda is. Let's reveal it for what it is. It's garbage. Yeah, and Edward Bernays wrote this book in 1928 trying to hype up propaganda. Uh, here's a little backstory on Edward Bernays. Uh, he also told doctors that uh, smoking cigarettes was good. He's the guy who has people eating uh, sausage, bacon, and eggs for breakfast. He uh, is Sigmund Freud's nephew. So this guy knew how to manipulate minds. It was, it, he, 
he was a marketing genius is, is what he was. And, and that book propaganda written in 1928 is a must read for anybody that wants to break the spell and wake up from what they've been put under uh, second question or second comment. Absolutely. We are conditioned from the time we begin as small children in school. We're taught to spell. We're taught to write in cursive. We're taught to, to cast spells and curses. So people have to wake up from this, you know, this agenda. Honey Anna's on it. Honey Anna's on it. In first grade, you know, you always hear words are powerful. In first grade, they literally teach you to spell words and nobody catches on to this stuff. Uh, the, all of our academia, all of those books that are written for college, you go back and you look at these publishing companies that, that produce these books. They all go back and are owned by Freemasons. Everything that is produced in popular culture comes from these guys every bit of it and that's the spell that we have to break we have to know who our enemy is first off because these guys are luciferians they are they are they are worshiping the little g god of this plane they obtain power from him but their power is counterfeit that is why it is essential and important that disciples of Jesus Christ go out in the streets, they get outside of the four walls, they get outside of the structure that has become to be known as church, and they show face because we are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We, the human being, is the church. I'm going to go ahead and pass this baton on over to Brother Jason or Brother Joshua and let them continue on. Yeah, my, my biggest thoughts on all of that, um, I mean, you you and I both know that all of that is true. Um, the way the way that I see it, and I, I try to approach all of that stuff a bit differently now, where instead of trying to, you know, wake people up to what's going on, we know that ultimately Satan's the one behind all of this. Yes. And the the biggest thing that I see is if we get out, and we share the love of Christ, we share the truth of his word, the truth of the Bible, the truth of uh, the gospel, his plan for us, his ultimate plan for salvation, and not in a, not in a, a dead, powerless way, like what most Americans are used to witnessing and experiencing. But if we get out and we're actually bold, loving but demonstrating the gospel demonstrating the power of god the way that we do um you know and uh, us three are very blessed to be a part of a local body that actually preaches the entire word and actually demonstrates it and we see these signs and wonders we see these miracles we see the bible come to life every week inside the four walls yes. but we know that that's we know that that is very rare in in our culture in america and in in many other countries but we'll we'll talk about ours right now but just like jason said a minute ago just like jesus commissioned us to do commanded us to do was to go and do these things go and preach the gospel go and heal the sick go and cast out demons 
And so, yeah, we attend a local body to get fed, to get sharpened, to mm-hmm. fellowship with other believers, to be able to come in. You know, there's there's power in numbers, whether it's for corporate prayer or whether it's corporate worship or any of these things that our because we're all connected on, you know, uh, on a level that sometimes is hard to describe without using words that people tend to associate with like new age type stuff, but our energy actually is connected. You know, if, if we, it is. we, you know, we all, we, as born again, believers, spirit filled, we have the mind of Christ. And if you're with other believers, your, your thoughts, your, your praises, your worship, when it's all directed in the same in the same direction, when it's all pointed in the same direction towards the heavens, towards God, you, you feed off of each other's energy. You feed off of, you know, whatever that is, each other's electricity. But when we get out into the streets and we demonstrate this, that's when we reach the people, just like we talked about earlier, where, you know, some people were like, talking about this is what church is for. If these people wanted to hear this, they would go to church. Well, not necessarily because either you've had negative church experiences, Mm -hmm. church air quotes, church experiences, or you were raised in church and you never actually met the King. You never actually met the one that you were going there and learning about. You witnessed hypocrisy. You witnessed, you know, the traditions of man, you, you went somewhere and they just gave you a list of do's and don'ts. They gave you a list of laws that you had to abide by, but you never saw anybody's life actually changed. And so they grew up, just like that girl said, we keep talking about this couple from earlier, just like that girl said, she told us she was raised in church. And then when she got old enough to think for herself, she went elsewhere. All right. That's that is the same testimony of many people. They might not go. They might not go as far off as other people do. But for myself, I was raised in church. And when I got old enough to make the decision to go or not, I didn't go because I knew all of the kids that I ever grew up with in church were just as bad, if not worse than the other kids who I knew outside of church. They were listening, listening to and watching and talking in the most perverse way. They were cussing and listening to the most perverted and perverse things that they could. And nobody's life was ever changed. So why am I going to go back here and just waste my time on Sunday morning where, you know, all of the families still look miserable. They all sound miserable. My parents aren't together anymore. You know, all all of these things like I'm I'm seeing families still getting divorced. I'm still seeing kids depressed. I'm still seeing all of these same things. And so it's our job to get out and show people that there is something different. It's our job to get out and, and show people it's not what you have seen on Sunday morning. That's not what this is supposed to be. It's supposed to be something completely different. And we're here to to try to our best through the power of God, through his grace, through his mercy, through his power to, to show you and to demonstrate to you that it's not what you thought it was. So, um, Jason said he got kicked off for some yeah, reason. I don't know if you're able to invite him again. Now. 
Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, that's kind of the biggest thing. And it ties back into the original question, which I'm trying to get back to is, um, the, the outreach question and, uh, it's that outreach question and also tying into all of the other truths that you were speaking onto the lies of this world where some people who just have um, um, their minds operate similar to mine and yours, where we see all of these things and it, it only confirms and solidifies what we know to be true about God. But other people just see it as too much. It's, it's unbelievable. It's just too much. And there's no way all of this deception can be going on. So the best way is, show them the truth of the gospel, show them the truth of Jesus Christ. And then when they That's begin good. to, when they begin to renew their mind, the way that we're told to, some of these other things start to fall in line and start to make a little bit more sense. And, you know, really it does not benefit us that much to know all of the lies and all of the deception and all of the evil going on in the world. You know, for me, I know that the world is corrupt. I know that the God of this world is Satan. And so I, I don't, I don't, I don't fall into the trap as easily, but the closer I get to God, the more I renew my mind with his word, the more I am, uh, uh, filled and, and, you know, sanctified and purifying my life. And the more God prunes me and all of that, the less of the world I want anything to do with anyway. You know, we, we talk about all of the, the entertainment and we talk about, you know, you mentioned the bread and circuses, the politics and the entertainment and all, all of the entertainment from all aspects but the, the more that you're filled with the word of God, the more that you experience his presence, the more you press in, the less of any of that you want anyway. So that you're stuff exactly doesn't, right. yeah, like, that stuff even, doesn't affect my mind because I don't let now, it in my ears. You know, all I want to watch is people who are more versed in the word, more teachers, you know, John G. Lake, uh, Derek Prince, uh, Curry Blake, uh, the guy that I, you know, just picked up, um, I can't remember his name, uh, Rob Saiba, I believe it is. Uh, Rob Skiba. Skiba, yeah. You know, I want to listen to cats like this. I don't, I, I can't find, and I, I never had pleasure in watching most of that garbage anyway, when, even when I was in the world, just because I knew what, what I would do is I would start watching those shows and the movies. And I would see them start casting these spells and I would start pointing out, hey, look, this is what they're doing right here to everybody in the room. And I was that weirdo that nobody wanted to watch movies with because I was calling stuff out left and right, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. <laughs> but again, you know, like that's that's why, you know, I, I was saying that that and Jason nailed it when he used the term essential. You know, that's why outreach is essential. And you nailed it with. It, it also shows how the true body, how the true bride of Christ operate and, and conduct themselves. Excuse me. And that's why I believe that outreach is more important than, than anything, you know, and 
again, you know, like you said, you know, there's, there's not people, people get church hurt and they're not going to go hear the word any other way. And then you say, you know, a group like us come out and not only are we bringing the word, but we're bringing one-on-one ministry where we will sit and listen to you. We will sit and pray. We, that's the first thing, you know, coming out of the box for us is, Hey, what do you need prayer for today? You know, do you, what's, what's, what's on your mind? You know, what's, what's ill in you? You know, that's the first thing that, that we drive out other than, you know, the kingdom of heaven is a hand, but Hey, real quick, I want to catch, uh, Yvonne. Yeah. Flame. Oh, guys. There we go. I believe so. I'm going to leave this message right now because I think you guys are heard a different way. And I wanted to share this earlier, but before you guys go too far, uh, going back to why we go out to the streets and preach. Um, one, one of the things that the girl mentioned to me, she said, not even the Jehovah Witnesses do this, which it gets me excited. It means that we're doing something different. That there you go. We're getting people's attention and um, that kind of stuff. Uh, the other thing is that my friend just died like two days ago and he broke my heart. He, we were not able to bring him to church, but we were the church to him. We were going to his house, ministering to him. And that's what we're doing this to minister to people who, who don't go to church, that they will still meet God where they are. So good. Amen. The the other thing that it got my attention, it was in, I guess the third place that we went. Um, I know like we they didn't like the adults didn't like it, but as we got there, I saw all the kids coming towards us and yes. just being excited that we were coming to talk to them about God and you know that's the new generation and I don't care if the adults didn't want to hear anything, those kids did hear it and. And we got to talk with them and spend time with them. And that was a lot. Like, I think, I think that was good. And I was excited about all that. And, you know, I, I seen that as I was pulling away, Josh, you ministering to the kids as you were was absolutely beautiful, brother. And that's the thing. Yvonne just nailed it. Okay, so the adults weren't so happy. There were a few receptive that were there, but there were others. Like, there was a guy carving a pumpkin up at the very end, I went up and start talking, tried to start talking to him and he wouldn't bat an eye, but the kids, the kids were all about it and the kids come running down and that's the thing. Okay. So those children are now going to go to their house and I can guarantee you for the rest of the night, they're going to talk about the people that came and was handing out hot dogs and preaching the word, especially, especially, Especially the way you were ministering to him, Josh. That was absolutely phenomenal, brother. I got to give you mad props on that. Uh, I, I wish that I would have hung around and uh, and watched just how you were doing it because it was it was something that that's we needed to be videoing that so that we could hear that and show people how what true ministry is, what true outreach is about because that was just something phenomenal. Amen, amen, and amen. Yes, sir. Uh, I, think, I think that neighborhood is worth hitting again. Absolutely. I do too. Um, kids were receptive there. Um, you know, it was awesome. 
Um, you know, First uh, John, we were talking about the commands of the Lord earlier. And if we are duty-driven, we're going to look at the commands of the Lord as uh, a work. You know what I mean? It's going to exhaust us if we become yes. duty-driven or if we're um, doing things for the Lord's approval. Um when really the commands of the Lord, here's first John five, three says this, for this is the love of God that we keep his commands and his commands are not grievous or yes. burdensome as some translations will say. I mean, why are the commands of the Lord no longer burdensome or they're not grievous? You know, it's not something that we, that we, that we, you know, uh, that will, that we're, we grieve doing, um, is because of our love relationship with him. Number one, our level of intimacy will determine our level of outreach, our level of intimacy, our level of our personal relationship with the Lord, how we steward that secret place, how we steward that time alone with God will determine our level of outreach. Because if we love God first, we'll love our neighbor as we're supposed to love them. We cannot, do the second command without first fulfilling the we we mess up when we get the second command in front of the first command when we love our neighbors more than we love the lord that's when everything goes into a tailspin but when we love the lord first and that level of intimacy first having that time that secret place with the lord first that time of prayer that time of cultivating his voice that time of cultivating his presence and having his presence on our lives. It's out of that place of intimacy that we do the gospel, that we fulfill the commands of Christ. They no longer become burdensome to us because of our love relationship with him. I love it. The baptism of Jesus, the Bible says this, it says that the heavens parted, the spirit of the Lord descended upon Christ as a dove. As a dove, that's right. And the voice of of the heavenly father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Notice that Jesus uh, heard the affirmation of the father, heard the love of the father, heard the voice of the father before he ever worked one miracle, before he ever preached one sermon, before he ever uh, did anything. He heard the love of the father. He heard the affirmation of the father first and foremost. And that is the same applies the same with you and I, when we hear the love of the father, when we hear the father's voice in our own personal lives, it's out of that place of intimacy that we do the gospel It's out of that place of, of, of secret place of cultivating that relationship with him that we go out and do the gospel, man, because if we do it any other way, We'll get burned out on it. We'll get discouraged by it. What mm-hmm. should motivate us, number one, is the love of the Father. Regardless, you know, in, in, yeah, there are times that we do get discouraged, but man, reeling back that discouragement, pulling back, pulling back away from that discouragement, man, even, in, even at the end of the day, it's like, all right, daddy, I just want to please you, Lord. I just want to love you. I just want to be a good steward of the anointing, yes. Lord. I want to be a wise steward of the kingdom, Father. Lord, I just want to be obedient to your voice and to love you. This radical, laid-down love relationship with I have that I have with you, Lord, it's out of that place, Lord, 
that I want people to experience what I know. And I want them to experience the freedom that they can have through the kingdom and through your presence. And so, uh, you know, uh, look at Isaiah chapter 40. Let's go there right quick. I want to show you something in Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Now, we know that theologically, Isaiah is considered by many theologians and many, many Bible scholars that the book of Isaiah is pretty much the Bible in a nutshell. And there's 66 books or 66 chapters in Isaiah. There's 66 books in the Bible. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, 40 is often the number of testing. Uh, it was 40 years that Israel wandered in the wilderness. It was 40, 40 days, days that yeah. Moses went up on the mountain and received Jesus the kingdom. In the, Jesus in the wilderness for 40 yeah. days. He fasted, right? It's, all, it's a number of testing, but it's also a number of authority because it was there in, in that place of testing that Jesus came out in the authority, in the power of the Spirit. The Bible says that when Jesus was driven into the wilderness to fast by the Spirit, that he came out in power. He came out yes. in dunamis power. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 says, uh, this is, uh, this is a, uh, uh, the gospel right here. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 40, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Listen to that. That's so good. Warfare is accomplished. It's it's single-handedly taken care of. Jesus has conquered death, hell, and the grave. The iniquity is pardoned. Christ has fully reconciled humanity back unto himself. We receive double for our sins. We receive a double portion anointing when we have the Holy Spirit come upon our lives. Uh, Verse 3 says, uh, uh, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, this is the very thing that this is prophetically uh, this is a prophetic utterance by Isaiah, but it's also a prophetic uh, uh, prophecy that's fulfilled by John the Baptist. What did right. John the Baptist say? John the Baptist preached. He said he cried out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. He cried out. That, that was his job. That The spirit of Elijah came upon John the Baptist. John the Baptist prepared the way of the Lord. So this is a prophetic picture also of John the Baptist's life. Verse 4 says, every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low, and every crooked shall shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. So that's the effects of the gospel. Every valley shall be exalted. Those who are in the valley of decision, those who are in the down in the dumps, those who are in a place of depression, the Lord pulls them out of that valley to a higher place, to a higher level. Every mountain and hill shall be brought low. Those who have exalted themselves will be brought low. The Bible says that if we humble ourselves, then the Lord will receive us, right? If we humble ourselves, we come to him. Uh, God resists the proud, but what he gives grace to the humble, right? Every crooked 
shall, uh, every crooked path or every crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. So the Lord just, that's like breakthrough as well. It speaks of breakthrough and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. A voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? In other words, the voice said, cry. The voice said, preach. The voice said, decree. And, and Isaiah is saying here, and he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all the godliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. In other words, we're going to die one day. We're, this body is going to put off. Uh, uh, we're we're going to put off this body here one day. This body is going to wither away. This world's going to pass away, right? There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. This world's going to pass away. Just as the flower fades, this world's going to pass away. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of the Lord, or the word of our God, shall stand forever. Listen to this, verse 9. O Zion, anytime scripture talks about Zion, it's talking about you and I. We are Zion. We are Zion. That's who we are. O Zion that bringeth good tidings, get thee up in the high mountains, O Jerusalem, that bringeth good tidings. Lift up thy voice with strength, lift it, and be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Right here, Isaiah is talking about the good tidings, is talking about the gospel right here. This is the first place in the Old Testament in scripture that the good news or the glad tidings of the gospel is mentioned in Isaiah chapter 40, man. I love that. It's so awesome. I love the word of God because uh, it's so powerful. And just, man, that's the gospel, man. What are we, why outreach? Why? Because we're called to comfort. We're called to go speak comfort to people. We're called to end their warfare. We're called uh, to decree and declare that their part, that their iniquity, their sins have been forgiven by the cross, that the cross has fully accomplished, accomplished and defeated and conquered death, hell, and the grave. That is the gospel. We are the voices of those who are crying out in the wilderness right now. We are preparing the way, just as G John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus in his first coming or the, or the revealing of the son of man, the son of God, we now as ambassadors, as representatives of the kingdom of God, we are crying out as that voice in the wilderness. That's why outreach is essential, man. Isaiah 40, uh, the, the uh, Mark chapter 16, uh, Matthew chapter 10, 9, uh, or, or, or that all applies to you and I today. The as you go, as you that go, yes. to you and I today, that we are called, man, to demonstrate the gospel of the kingdom right now in this present age, that men would come to know the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's uh, right. That's right. You know, as you go, preach. This is why it's so essential, man. And listen, you know, I had somebody say today, you know, well, you know, they commented on a post and said that 
you know, coming up in my yard is trespassing and uh, I find it intrusive for somebody to come knocking on my door and blah, 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 blah. And it was just on this whole bandwagon of, you know, the post that was there on Facebook. And I'm yeah. like, listen, I've never went and knocked on somebody's door who had sickness in their body, had cancer in their body, come on. was crippled in a wheelchair, ever complain about me trespassing, ever complain about me knocking on their door or invading their privacy. Not one person has ever complained. I'm seeing countless miracles going door to door, laying hands on people, decreeing the gospel of the kingdom, praying over people, uh, commanding sickness to break off people. I've seen countless outbreaks of God's glory, and not one time have I ever heard anybody complain that I was trespassing on their property. Yeah. I said, and- God forbid if you ever come down with cancer and sickness in your body, because I guarantee you that your, uh, your, your, your attitude and your perspective of, of how you view people knocking on doors will change. Because if you ever had cancer in your body and a Christian man three doors down the down from mm-hmm. you comes knocking on your door asking you if you need prayer and you receive prayer and you get healed of cancer, I guarantee you your mindset will change about people knocking on your door. Amen. Yes, I yeah. agree with that. And a lot of the times, those people are just trying to sound big and bad on the internet. You know, I highly doubt the person who, who quoted what she said, you know, oh, you come knocking on my door, it's going to be a bad time. Yeah, I highly doubt you are going to do anything. First off, you know, Unless it's posted in any neighborhood or on the uh, the property, no trespassing or no soliciting, then it's not against the law. So going door to door, unless it's posted, there's nothing you have to worry about. And secondly, right. you know, uh, <laughs> going back to that couple, you know, she posted in that uh, in that community page, thinking that she was going to get the backing thinking that people were going to stand behind her and her thoughts. And yet there was so many people who were backing us, the evangelist that she took the post down because she wasn't going to let it be seen that she had no ground to stand on. And that's just how God works. You know, like when you mock him and you curse him, it's coming back on you. It's not going to go to Come his on. people. And that was the thing. They, when uh, that guy was like, oh, are you going to beat me down for Christ? I said, no. I said, he's already working and you're already feeling it. You know, then he starts mocking and shaking and manifesting like he was feeling something. That was those demons in him making him do that stuff, making him mock to put him into right. a further curse. Because they know if they can mock God, that that curse is going to be on that vessel. And they won't have to worry about losing him anymore because he's going to curse God who is going to curse him. And that's what it goes down to. Go ahead there, Joshua. Um, yeah. Well, on the, on the evangelism, you know, getting out and doing the gospel topic, a lot of people, um, you know, they hear some of the stuff that we're talking about, like getting out and, and setting up somewhere and preaching and, 
playing music and passing out food and, you know, praying for people or doing whatever. And that sounds like, that sounds like a lot, you know, even though it is, it is pretty easy. You just, you pick a place and you set up a few things and there's not a lot of planning that really goes into it. It's like, Hey, we're going to go over to this neighborhood. We're going to go over to this spot and we're going to do this, but it still sounds like a lot to somebody who has not done it. So I always encourage people like, if you are, and we've touched on a lot of this already, where if you are spending that alone time with God, if you're spending that alone time in prayer and in your word, which is what we're supposed to be doing anyway as believers, then you are already going to be in the right place personally. You're already going to be in the right position with your father like you're supposed to be. So when you go about your day, when you go to work, when you go to the store, you should appear and behave and speak and sound different than most other people that that they might come into contact with. Yes. If you're if you're newly saved, your coworkers should see that something is different about you. You should if you are if you are newly saved. And you shouldn't come back to work and then still look and sound and act exactly like you did last week. You know, yeah. there should be something that's clearly different about you. But when you go about your day, I mean, I, I've had this happen to me so many times where I've had cashiers or just a, an employee at floor and decor or whatever say like, I, I, I could feel you when you came in the building, I could, I could sense something different about you like i i remember one lady at floor and decor and i i don't think she works there anymore i haven't seen her in a while i don't think she was a christian just because of the terminology she was using but she was like i she was like i felt your energy when you came in the building you know and it's like that's how we're supposed to be yeah and you know when so getting out and and doing the great commission doesn't necessarily have to involve setting up speakers and passing out food and preaching. It can be you sharing the love of Jesus, you sharing your testimony, you sharing, you know, something that you're, you learned right then. If you're sensitive to the Holy spirit and you're walking with him, Holy spirit's going to prompt you and lead you to where you start saying the right thing anyway. You know, and it's not, it's not sitting there and being like, all right, God, give me a, give me a word for this person. Like, no, as you start talking to them, you're going to say the right thing. You're going to say what needs to be said to that person. And back to what we've been talking about. If you're filling yourself with good things, with good biblical teaching, if you're filling yourself with the word, if you're filling yourself with you know, prayer or whatever, and not letting in all the junk of the world, what you put in is going to naturally come out. So when you're talking to somebody, I don't start talking to them about the the Georgia game or the Braves going to the World Series, because I, the only reason I know that's happening is because I saw people selling shirts on the side of the road that said Braves World Series something. You know, and I'm like, all right, cool. Looks like that's happening. Good, good for them, I guess. Good for their stickball yeah. game. You know, and so 
when you go about your daily life, if you are filling yourself with what you should be and you're spending your time the way that you should be spending it, you will naturally preach the gospel. You will naturally represent the kingdom of God like you're supposed to. And then as you grow and as you mature and as you get to these different levels of revelation or these these different levels in your relationship with God, the things that you do and say will hit deeper. They, you know, your the words that you speak to people will be more powerful and more accurate. The you'll be more comfortable and confident sharing your testimony or praying for somebody. You'll be more sensitive to their need for prayer or their need for encouragement or whatever it might be. So, you know, what I always tell people, and this, it, this goes back to what we were doing with those kids earlier. Um, you know, Yvonne came and said, like, after I, after I got to pray with that little boy, Caden, and lay hands on him, and it was cool, man. When I saw him coming out there for some snacks or whatever, and he had that boot on his foot, I was like, <laughs> the first, dude, the first thing that popped into my head, I was like, God's about to heal this kid's foot. Though, you know, it was like, oh, no dude. doubt. I was like, God's, God's about to heal this kid's foot. And so I, I went up to, you know, so I went up to him and was just like, Hey man, what happened to your foot? So he starts telling me the story. He's like, oh, I broke it while we were playing a game of baseball. And he showed me what it, what happened and told me about it. And so I'm like, you know, I, I kind of did the whole uh, Joel Crumpton line. I was like, which I don't normally do. Cause it sounds, it, it's, it's almost, it's like his thing, you know? But I was like, well, I got good news for you, buddy. I was like, the kingdom of God just came into your neighborhood. And if you'll let me pray for you, I was like, the power of God's going to go into you and he's going to heal your foot. I was like, what do you think about that? And he's like, yeah, that sounds good. You know, and he's smiling. And I was like, all right, cool. So I got to pray for him and just spoke healing, commanded it to be healed, commanded all the pain to be gone. And then, uh, you know, I asked him, like, how is it? how is it? Does it feel any better? Whatever. And I asked him if it was hurting before. And he was like, yeah, it hurts when I do this, this, this. And uh, so when I was done, I, he was like, no, it doesn't hurt anymore. I was like, is it all gone? He's like, yeah, it feels better. And he took off running with that boot on still. He took off running back to his house. But when, when we were, when we were talking with those kids, Yvonne came over and she's like, Hey, all these kids are out here. She's like, let's, Let's do with them what we did with the other kids um, that we used to minister to at our house when all yes. the churches closed down. And she was like, let's, let's go pray with them and get them to hear God's voice, you know? So we went over and just started talking to them and we got to tell all of them. And we got to tell that kid, Caden and his sister, like, Hey, that same thing that just happened. Like I'm, you're just as special as I am. Like, you know, I don't have anything that you don't have. God didn't, God didn't give, God didn't give me something. He didn't give you. So the same way that I was able to pray for you and command your foot to be healed, you can do. So it, you know, if, if one of you guys gets hurt or you see a friend who gets hurt or whatever, you can go up and pray for them and God will heal them the same way. And so we got to do that. We got to ask them, you know, if they, uh, we asked them if they prayed to God and they told us, yeah, like, you know, we pray for this and we pray for the food and before bed. And, um, you know, then we got, we were asking them, do they ever hear from God and how do they hear from God? And so then we just got, we prayed. I kind of led them in a little prayer and got them to ask God a specific question about themselves. And so it was just, it was really just kind of leading them in. You can do exactly what you saw us doing. 
tying back into the evangelism thing. You can do exactly what you saw us doing. You can pray for people. You can lay hands on people. You can hear God's voice the same way as I hear God's voice. You know, and a lot of people don't, they don't realize that. They don't think that they can hear God or they don't think that they can do the same works that Jesus did, you know, still, still quoting some Joel Crumpton stuff for his book. You can do the same works that Jesus did because he told us to, he said, Hey, these same things that I did, you're going to do. And even greater because there's more of you and the Holy spirit's living in you. He's not just coming upon you, Come on, you know, and so it is for anybody who listens to this, you know, in the future, it's not about just going to set up someplace and preaching. You don't have to have a microphone. You don't have to have an audience of however many. It can be that audience of one that's right in front of you. It can be your coworker that you see coming in dealing with something or who comes in and tells you that they're sick or that their family member is sick. Hey, let's, let's pray for them. You know, yeah. I see you dealing with something. Let's pray for them. Yeah. Yeah. Marketplace uh, evangelism. Was... Sorry, Bob. Um, oh, okay. No, go ahead. Market, marketplace evangelism is just as, a pow- as powerful and as effective as street corner preaching or feeding the homeless, you know? Um, you know, just in your our, our everyday affairs, our everyday work, you know, I love my place. I, I love my business. And um, I'm sure you can identify with this, Joshua, that our our business as, as tradesmen, as carpenters, as painters, as, you know, tile guys, you know, whatever you want to classify as, you know, just, just carpentry guys, construction guys, you know, just as that, that having those, those trades, man, that gets us on the inside of people's houses that we normally wouldn't even be able to get into. And yep. we're able to share the gospel with them on the job. You know, we're able yep. to minister to people on the job, um, pray for people. And so, I, I love that as well too, man. You know, it's not always about being on the street corner with a microphone in our hands or, or whatever. Yeah, dude, you know, that's, and that's so funny, man. Being in love with the Lord and having that love relationship with Him, you know that that's that's yeah. a part of it as well. You know, marketplace stuff is a part of just having that relationship with the Lord, man. That wherever we go, we are His, no matter what. We're His wherever that's we so go. Good. Yeah, so that that's was, so uh, funny, man. So that's totally ghost driven right now, like for real. Because like the next question was how to start, how to start doing outreach, how to start, you know, getting out there and 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 reaching the people and the just the natural flow of the conversation took us mm-hmm. right to that point. And that's just all Holy Ghost right there. I just got to say I love him so much. Go ahead, yeah, Josh. a big part of a big part of it is. Um, you know, about how to get started. A big part is, is connecting with people. The, I think the, the, the thing I said a minute ago is definitely your first step. You, you have to be spending that time with the father. You have to be spending that time in prayer. You have yes, to be spending your time in the word. Um, because you, you can go out and do a whole lot of stuff in your own strength and nobody's lives ever get changed and they don't meet Jesus because you're not taking Jesus with you. You're not, you're, you know, the Holy spirit's not with you. 
you might say some kind words, you might feed the poor, you might do whatever it is, some some good yeah. deeds. But well, Antifa's you, out there feeding the poor right now, you know. Exactly, exactly. But so so that's definitely the first step. But another thing is just trying to connect with like-minded people in your community, you know, and it's, if you're already a part of a local church, then find some of the people who you have made friends with and say, Hey, like I'm trying to do something outside of the church. You know, I want to, I want to link up and do something other than show up on Sunday morning or other than just our, you know, these few couples or these, this small group of friends coming together and having a Bible study or a prayer meeting. What can we do to reach the people around us and brainstorm? You know, like you might come up with something creative that we're not doing. You know, you might come up with a way to reach your local community and the, the stores or your neighbors or whatever that we have not thought of or we're not doing. Um, you know, and, and I think that, I think that God honors that, you know, and we've talked about this before where it's like, you're, you're probably, you know, God might bless what you're doing as far as if you go and cut a neighbor's, cut the neighbor's grass or, you know, you bake them a cake and take it over there. We've talked about like just loving people and sharing the love of God with them. Yeah. But that's are you, are you preaching the word? Are you sharing, are you sharing testimony or are you just doing something nice that anybody could really do? You know, you have to be, you really do have to be intentional about, um, I'm sharing the gospel with you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm offering to pray for you. I'm, you're doing something to actually connect Jesus with it. Not just like I cut your grass because you know, I'm a Christian, you know, I got a fish sticker on my car. And I did this nice thing for you. Yeah, cool. Um, but it's not it's not really going to get somebody saved. Maybe it has, you know, a handful of times. But connect with people um, and, and get out and actually do something. You know, get out and, and reach your community. Go around to the small businesses and ask them, you know, what are some of their needs? Can you go pray for them? Do, something, you know. If you're connected with God and you're connecting with other believers – he will give you creative ideas on, on how to do this um, and how to do the gospel that fits your personality. You know, not everybody's personality is going to get behind a microphone and, and preach or go door to door, but maybe it is, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's going to the mall and doing I, like, I, I don't know why I'm thinking about Joel Crumpton so much today, but the thing that he does with the, <laughs> The, the thing that he, he does and he's talked about with the um, treasure hunt, the yeah. what's he call that? Uh, what does he call that? Oh, man. What yeah, is it's that treasure called? hunt. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's, right. it's, he, here, right? yeah. He had another word for it. But, yeah, it's a treasure hunt. Um, and you pray and you ask God for specific details. And then you you go out to whatever place that, you know, you feel like Holy Spirit's telling you to go to. And so not only are you connecting with other believers, you're praying together, you're, you're practicing uh, asking and praying specific questions to God, you're practicing hearing his voice, then you're also obeying immediately, and you're stepping out in faith to test what you heard, 
and share the gospel with a stranger. So it's like a, it's like a multifaceted ultimate treasure hunt. hunt. That's what it was. It's a multifaceted um, attack, I guess, for lack of a better word, but getting out, I mean, that's, that's the real deal, man. And when you get out and you do all that and you're able to tell somebody and show them a a post-it note, like, Hey, I prayed here are all of these details that God told me, here's the, here's the color shoes that you're wearing. Here's where he told me, here's a clue that he told me there's some basketballs right here. And we're standing in Walmart next to basketballs. You're wearing, you know, bright yellow shoes and you're dealing with neck pain and it's all written right there. That person's going to start crying before you even do anything. And then you're like, if God told me all of this, he showed me all this before I left my house. Don't you think he wants to heal you? You lay hands, you command healing, you pray, and they get healed, they get saved. And it's like, stuff like that is, it's so much fun. And it's an encouragement. It's an encouraging way for you to get out and want to do that more. Then you share those testimonies with other believers. They're going to want to come and be a part of that. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, Jason, what you were talking about, about the marketplace, um, that's one thing Yvonne and I have, have talked about so many times because we're both self-employed. We both end up in, you know, people's houses where we never would have been, you know, some of the houses that I remodel their bathrooms, these are like three quarter million dollar houses. And I'm, I'm in there, you know, or down in Atlanta where just because of the location, the house might not be as big, but it's still like a half a million dollar house. And I'm able to share the gospel and pray with somebody who up to that point didn't even believe there was a God and was doubting it and was mad. If there even was a God, they were mad at him. And I got to witness to them, you know, the person that Yvonne said, one of her clients who just passed away, I shared some of that, some of the testimony about that guy with, with you guys before, um, where, you know, he, this dude was ex, ex ex-military Navy SEAL, you know, he had a, a lot of baggage that goes along with that line of work. Um, you know, a lot of times when people get out of the military, especially in a higher ranking position, I guess, like that, they many times will get a really high paying job in the business sector, which this guy did. And dude, he was dealing with a lot of stuff, man. And we never would have met him. Yvonne never would have met him. I never would have met him if it hadn't been for what she does for a living, you know, she's cleaning houses. And so she's able to clean this, this guy's house. And then we're able to get a foot in the door because of that and get over there and pray for him and do some deliverance on him. And, you know, I, I fully believe, and he's passed away now. He was, he was definitely demonized and still dealing with a lot of stuff when he passed, but because Yvonne and I got, got to be there and minister to him and pray with him and, um, and be a part of what God wanted to do in this man's life before he left. I truly believe that this guy's in heaven now because I watched him cry out and ask God for forgiveness and ask God to have mercy on him. And I I watched a, a genuine change in his heart and a true repentance, even though, like I said, he still was dealing with a lot of stuff, sickness in his body, 
a, a lot of things. We were able to cast the spirit of death out of him where he kept talking about killing himself and doing all this kind of stuff and talking about how he was about to die to no longer, no longer talking like that. But we got to watch him cry out in repentance to God and cry out for mercy and forgiveness. And, you know, that, that is the comfort that Yvonne and I both have had since finding out about his passing is we watched that and God put us there. God put us there for that reason, to love on this guy, to not, not be there for any other reason. We weren't like the, the friends that he had who were coming around out of pity, you know, the friends that he, that he played football with or, or went to school with or worked with who were kind of coming around just because they were pitying him in his, in his sickness and knowing that his life was going to be over soon. We you know, we didn't want anything from him. He tried to buy us meals. He tried to give us, he's like, take my, my platinum card or my black card or whatever it was. Some, you know, some really high, <laughs> high limit credit card. He kept saying, just take it. You guys go out and have a steak, go out and eat dinner. No, dude. Like we're not here for that. Like we're God sent us here for you, man. Like we're hanging out. Yeah. We're praying with you. Good. And, yeah. and um, a little more. Yeah, we're, we are able to reach those who nobody else could probably reach. I, I, I love that, man. I love it. I love it. I, I love uh, the couple that came out with us on the streets today, man. I mean, dude, they just surrendered to King Jesus last Saturday, last outreach. I had an outreach, uh, yeah. And, you know, they come to come to church you know, they were homeless. Um, we got them a place to stay. Um, I gave him a job. He's been working with me all week. I mean, he's got to see me outside of church and see my character outside of church and see me, yeah. you know, my conversation, how that I'm not F this or GD that or MF this or whatever on the job he'd seen me outside the four walls. And so he knows I live what I say, you know Kingdom. what I mean? And if I do get frustrated and, and, you know, uh, get angry on the job or something, man, I'm, I quickly, quickly like repent within the next, you know, two, three seconds later. Mm-hmm. And, uh, because I got stressed on the job the other day, man, I was let, letting the job really just stress me out. It's put me in a bad mood and, and so I just had to pull aside and just stop and just pray, man, and just repent and ask the Lord to forgive me for allowing the job to get me in an irritable mood. And so this kid sees this, you know, and, uh, man, you know, we got to, ba- I got to baptize them this week, uh, Wednesday night, they got baptized. Uh, and then today they're on the streets with us, man. They just got saved last Saturday. <laughs> That's awesome. This, this that Saturday. Handing out flyers, man, and just like they—they they kept telling me when they got in the car, "Oh man, this is this is great, man. This is oh my god, I feel so great doing this. This this is awesome. This is well, amazing. Ah, oh, this is so awesome." And the kid getting healed in their feet. The kid, <laughs> yeah, the kid's broken leg getting healed. 
my god and they were on like cloud 20 after seeing yeah, that that's they were like awesome. oh my i saw i saw a miracle today i mean just blown <laughs> away man and like, i'm like yeah we see that all the time you know like you know what i'm saying like my mindset yeah. is like okay i'm getting convicted of my mindset here because i'm right. like nonchalant about some kid's leg getting healed but it's yeah. a big deal to somebody that is not the level that we're at that you know that hasn't been at that level or just a new believer in christ is a big deal for them you know well you it's know amazing and it should be that same yeah that should be the same way with us as well yes. and i told him i said man just wait until we go on the streets of atlanta you know just wait till you go downtown atlanta with us and yeah, we have boy and, good thing, and then another good thing is too man they know exactly where all the homeless tents camps are in the wow. region, yeah, because they they were they were just homeless last week, so they were staying right. in all the places where the homeless is at. But go ahead, brother James, been to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 it's all good. But that truly solidifies kingdom life for them. You know, just last week they're sleeping in the streets. We were out in an outreach, a community outreach, where they came, they heard the word, and they got fed. They got saved. They got baptized this week. The next Saturday, seven days after dedicating their life to Christ, they're on the streets doing what they found, what found them as as believers, what they saw as believers do. They're doing the same thing. And then they see miracles on top of that. That just solidifies Jesus Christ in their life. And, And the fact, Jason, that... You gave that guy a job that you are living kingdom, that he's getting to see kingdom in you. He's learning a trade. He's making money. He's able to put food in his belly, in her belly, and a roof over their head. And just having somebody pour into him. Like you said earlier, the kid just needed somebody to assure him that he is worth and worthy of life, of living. And now he gets to see kingdom from the ground up, from yeah. he dedicated his life last week. And like you're saying, you know, it's it's become common for us to see miracle signs and wonders. So even when we see them, it's not that we're not gra- uh, gracious about it. We're not, thank you, Lord, you know, that you have shown up again. But for somebody who hasn't seen those, it's just breathtaking. They're like, wow, this is actually what's going on. This is what's really happening. And it makes such a big difference to the exactly what both you guys are saying is that they're that they are actually out doing something. It's not like somebody met them you know, shared the gospel with them, they got saved, and then they invited them to go sit in a pew and listen to somebody else talk. It's that, all right, now let's go do something. Let's go do this. And you can learn on the job. This is on the job training, just like it's still on the job training for us. You know, we're every week we go out, we're learning something new. You know, we're, we're changing up what we do. We're changing up how we approach things we are we're learning we're growing you know for the miracles i i find myself having to 
when I hear about them at church, you know, when I hear about all these people getting healed in the water at church and all of that, that's kind of when I'm like, oh, that's awesome. But it, it is almost so commonplace there because of so many people coming through so many people getting in the water and that God is touching and healing and delivering so many people. But when I see, when I see it through my own hands, I still get excited. Like I still, it's still a little unbelievable to me sometimes where, you know, when I see, when I lay hands on somebody and then they fall out under the power of the Holy spirit or they get healed, you know, this little boy's uh, broken foot getting healed or the lady uh, a few weeks ago over in Gainesville, her legs got healed where when she was jumping up and down, like, you know, I'm healed. I was like, really? For real? You're healed? She's like, yeah, don't you see me jumping? Well, I'm just making sure. Like, I don't know. You know, and it sometimes it still catches me by surprise. And I, I get really excited about it when I see it happen through my prayers, when I see God work through me, it's still really, really exciting. But it back to this couple, it makes such a big difference actually being able to put them immediately to work and getting out and saying, all right, follow, follow me, do as what I do, what I'm doing, you know, follow me as I follow Jesus, act like me as act, as I act like him. Um, you know, and Yvonne and I were talking about this on the way back, same as what was just said. It's so cool getting to see a, 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 that couple as new believers just coming to know Christ and not getting put into a place where they are conformed and molded to the traditions of man. And like, all right, come in here now, be quiet, behave yourself, listen to the listen to the pastor share his message. And this is how we do things around here. So, you know, it was like, they were out there, you know, they were out there like snacking the whole time and they were, you know, smoking cigarettes or whatever. And it's like, they're, they're brand new, but they're out here doing it. Like, this is awesome there. You could see, you could see the excitement on them. You could see it in them. You could see it. You could see God working through them at their level where they are instead of all right you just did this you said this prayer now you you got to stop you got to stop smoking you got to stop doing all this to be able to come in here no come on. Don't, don't act like don't act like that don't don't be like that because now you're a christian and it's like let let god work through them at their pace that's it you know for for me man, yeah you know, and that's the other thing that we were, that Yvonne and I were talking about was like, as we're getting out here on the streets, whether it's to homeless people or whether it's in the projects or whatever, a lot of these people are, you know, the one, the one guy that Yvonne was talking to, he was slap drunk in the middle of the day. Uh, the couple that I was talking to, you know, they came down and like gave us, they came down and got some food and snacks from us. Then the, the guy went back and got a bag of Halloween candy. And he's like, you guys pass this out too. And I'm, I'm convinced that he and his wife were both twacked out of their mind. Cause I went and talked to him because he, he was real generous. You know, he came down, he, he received some, some food and some drinks and stuff from us. Then he came back and gave us some candy to pass out to the kids so God told me, he's like, go and pray for this guy and, and thank him and bless him for his, his generosity 
and just pray over him about his generous heart and that, that God's going to honor that. And he's going to continue to bless him, whatever, something along those lines. And when I went and, and prayed with them, they both, you know, all, all three of us have very similar pasts and experiences. And one of the things when you're on, whether it's Coke or whether it's meth or anything like that, your emotions kind of go out the window and you're real robotic. And that's, that is very much what I got from this couple as I was talking to them. Um, but it's like with, with those kids, you know, they, they fit right. In. It wasn't like we were coming into a neighborhood holier than thou coming in there like we're better than you and we're we're talking down to you or we're telling you yes we're coming in preaching repentance yes we're coming in and calling you to a life of holiness and calling you to um you know to to die to yourself and and all of these things yes we're, we're preaching that but we're not coming in with this pompous you know i'm better than you and i'm talking down to you kind of attitude Everybody's coming in. We're wearing, you know, jeans and t-shirts and all of us have, you know, a, a very, I guess, common look, you know, nobody's coming in a suit and tie and looking like official preachers behind a pulpit. And, you know, we have kids running around and we've got snacks and hot dogs and chips and sodas. And, you know, this, this couple over here <laughs> smoking cigarettes, but they're just loving it. Like it, it's awesome. Because it's like everybody's in a different place, but we are all coming out here with a genuine heart. We all know Jesus. We all love Jesus. And every single one of us is at a different place in our walk. And the authenticity, the authenticity of your own life, your own self, your own walk, but also the, authentic, the authenticity of who Jesus is and what he's done in your life, tying into testimonies and things like that. People can see through the, the the fake Christianity. All of that has been going on for long enough. It's been going on for so long that that's what most people don't want to have anything to do with. So when they see somebody coming in and it's like, oh, yeah, you, you know, you got tattoos or you got holes in your jeans or you're coming in here and you're not, you're sharing your testimony about where you came from and what God did in your life and all of that real recognizes real you know the that authenticity rings true to the people who are hearing it whether that's whether that's the people who are hearing your testimony or hearing uh, your testimony or hearing the the word that's being preached or hearing just the love and the prayers that you're sharing or whether it's you know the the demons that are in the neighborhood they recognize the real when it comes into their territory, you know? So when you come in and you start stirring up demons immediately, if this was an, if this was a, a dead, empty, just religion, and we're just doing some outreach, trying to come and feed you, but your life isn't going to be changed. People aren't going to get that upset about that. You know, we've talked about this before. You're not going to, you're not going to upset the devil. If you're not no. risking, if, if you're not risking actually taking ground away from his kingdom you know so it all ties in together man that 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 realness that authenticity um in what you're doing you know and that's the same same way tying back into uh 
evangelism on whatever level that is for you, if you're genuinely shining the light of Christ, when you go into the grocery store, the cashier will recognize it, you know, and sometimes you might not even have to be the one who says the first word. They might say something to you. Every time you come in here, you're smiling. You never seem stressed. You never seem, you know, like you're, you're worried about what's going on in the world. Like what you're always like this. Yeah. Let me tell you why. Or if you're be, if you're sensitive to the Holy spirit, which we all should be, you can tell if they're dealing with something and you say, Hey, you look like you're down today. You know, you look like you're dealing with something. What's going on? And not only the fact that you genuinely care enough to notice or ask about it, the, you know, that'll, that'll ring true. That'll touch their heart, but then it opens up the door for you to do whatever comes next, encourage them, pray for them, lay hands on them, whatever, whatever it might be, Holy Spirit will lead you. Amen. Good stuff. Good stuff. Awesome. Well, Jason, this, this goes for you. I just stuck a crack in my mouth. Excuse me. Um, so how, say you're a new believer, maybe not as new as, you know, the couple that we had out with us today, which let me clarify, was not the couple <laughs> that was giving us flack first thing today, two different couples, uh, in case anybody was taking notes at home. Uh, but okay. So say you're a new believer or you're trying to get a small group going at your church to do an outreach program like this. Where would you lead them? How would you lead them out into their first steps of doing such a program like what we do with the gathering? Ask that again. I got distracted. Go ahead. All right. So say you're a new believer or uh, you're trying to get an outreach program going at your church. Uh, maybe you've got a small group, you've been doing a Bible study or whatnot, and you're, you're, you've gotten to that point where you're wanting to step out and do an outreach program. What would be the process and the, the initial steps to get something going like the gathering is doing right now? Well, I mean, first off, man, I would just, you know, I would try to find some common people who are actively doing it, you know, who are actively in uh, outreach or doing outreach. So that way you can kind of like, you know, get some some type of training, some, you know, uh, hands on training, um, you know, per se. Um, And then just start and then just mimic what they're doing. You know, for me, um, as, as stepping out into evangelism, that's how I did it. I got around people that were, were doing the stuff. Um, I got around people that were active in, in, in uh, outreach that were, uh, I looked at people's testimonies. I just looked at people's lives, uh, just different ways. I just, I pumped myself full of, you know, uh, sometimes YouTube videos, watching guys out on the streets, how they did things. And then I just went and mimic it, you know, went and did it, you know, you know, and, and for 
you know, this too, man, a lot of, a lot of, for me personally, I learned a lot what not to do in ministry, you know, just by, just by going out and, and doing it, I learned what worked and what didn't work, you know, and I'm, even to this day, I'm still learning what works and what don't work, you know, uh, just take, for instance, the couple today that came out raising cane at us for being in their neighborhood, you know, they had a point, you know, we didn't ask management if we could be there. But guess what's going to take place this week? Guess what's going to play, take place next week? I'm going to yeah. be going after management and asking if I can come in, not with loud music, not with PA systems, not with any of that. Hey, if I can just simply go in there and set up a table and feed the neighborhood kids chips and hot dogs, that's what I'm going to do. If I can ease my way in there that way, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, so for me, man, you know, uh, just start where you're at. Uh, you know, uh, you, one thing too, man, you know, if you want, if your heart is for children, here's, here's a good strategy as well to have for children. Um, go buy you a big tarp, go buy a 40 by 40 tarp or a 20 by 30 tarp, you know, some type of tarp that kids can sit down on. And get you a, you know, a relatively inexpensive sound system, uh, way of playing Bluetooth music, and get into the projects with kids and have that tarp and put some music on and have those kids sit down on that tarp and, you know, hand out candy after you, you know, do some Bible stories tell them some bible stories come up with some rules you no know, you know keep your hands and feet together while you're on a tarp you know kind of thing um tell them bible stories tell them the stories of samson and delilah how you know samson fell into sin with delilah how you know and put it in terms and cultural ways that they can get it and they can wrap their head around it and minister to them and you know give them give them candy give them toys give them games because, you know, you, you just set up a sidewalk Sunday school right there on the spot, you know. Um, but there's different innovative ways to reach out to people when it comes to the gospel, man, when it comes to, to doing the stuff. You know, like, like we've been saying multiple times throughout the broadcast tonight, you don't have to get out there and preach at somebody, you know, when it comes to the gospel. You know, you simply can go door to door and, and just, just love on people and, and ask them if they need prayer for anything. You know, what do you need in this community? You know, uh, we think about, you know, the terminology church and just like the lady that came out arguing and fussing at us today and saying, don't you have a building to do that stuff in? You know, the church in the early days, the ecclesia, and we've talked about this on broadcast before, uh, over 114 times the word church is mentioned in Scripture in the New Testament. And it's uh, the Greek word for church is the ecclesia. And the ecclesia, the word ecclesia is actually a Roman military uh, word and term that was used in the Roman military where the military would infiltrate a certain region, a certain area. They would go in, they would find out the people's needs. Well, they need water or they need food or they need clothes. They need this or they need that. And that's how they would go in and they would little by little they would meet the people's needs to the point of completely taking over that entire 
area for the Roman Empire or for the Roman you know, for the Roman army, Roman Empire. And they would influence that region until they had complete control of that region and complete control of that area. And that's the same thing, you know, Ecclesia, uh, you, you know, when Peter, when Jesus asked the disciples, he said, uh, you know, who do you say, who do, who do men say that I am? And then he, he personalized it. He said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art Christ, you know, the son of the son of God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my heavenly father, uh, you know, but, but my heavenly father. And he said, and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Right. And so that the church, the ecclesia, uh, the military, some military term. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the military, the government of God, the army of God. When we go, you know, strategy, when it comes to reaching regions and areas, sometimes has to do with being, the, you know, taking the food in areas, taking water in areas, uh, taking clothing in areas, uh, meeting people in their practical needs and when we meet them in their practical areas, their practical needs, that opens the door to their hearts to receive spiritually from us as well at the same time. So um, my advice for somebody that's get, first getting, I know I threw a lot of information out there, but my advice for somebody that's first getting started, man, get around somebody that's doing stuff and then, then just go start doing the stuff. And uh, because, you know, I know for me, and I know you guys are the same way, man, I don't want to look back on my life 10 years from now and think, man, I should have, could have, would have, you know, I don't want those, that to be a part of my life, man. What would have happened if I would have just done this for, you know, the past 10 years, instead of doing what I've been doing for the past 10 years. And, you know, I'm expecting the kingdom, you know, I'm, like, I'm walking outside expecting the heavens to open up and the kingdom to fall in my lap. When really the Lord said the kingdom was within us and, I've got to open the heavens in my life, you know, and I just start walking in it, you know, and start doing what, you know, doing the great commission. And so, um, you know, my thing, yes, again, going back, get around people that's doing the stuff, man, and, and find out how they do it, watch them, how they do it, learn how to do it. And then just step over the chicken line as we've been quoting brother Joel tonight, step over that chicken line, and start doing the gospel and allowing the Lord to use you. Yeah. Hey, on, on that topic of connecting with other people, um, when we were at the, uh, the tea bar earlier, Yvonne and I uh, were talking with Dana about, I guess you guys used to meet somewhere in Lawrenceville or somewhere in Gwinnett County and um, I guess there's some other people, maybe another couple that goes to Christ Fellowship that lives in Lawrenceville, and they are trying to yeah. start start back meeting with people in Gwinnett County, something along those lines. Is that right? Yeah, we got a couple that uh, meet in their home on Friday nights in Lawrenceville, and uh, they are a that man, they're I, we didn't even know them. Uh, I'm just going to give the story right quick of how they they came into the kingdom. If that's all right. 
Um, yeah, for sure. And that just this falls into outreach right here. This their, their story falls into why outreach? Why? Why kingdom? Why go out? Why share the gospel? Right. So they are a couple. We did not even know them. We were running a home church in Gainesville. We were very small at the time, probably running about five to ten people. You know, and uh, their uncle, I knew him uh, from church in Woodstock that we used to go to like 10, 15 years ago. Uh, he calls me and he says, hey, how far are you from Lawrenceville? I need you to go pray for my cousin. Um, I'm like, uh, we're X amount of my, you know, miles away, like 40 minutes away. Something like that was where, where we was away at. And he goes, can you go over there tonight? They're hearing uh, things and move around in their house. TVs are cutting on by themselves. Uh, you know, th- this is going on. Uh, he's battling heroin addiction. She's on the verge of leaving him. They're on the verge of going through divorce. And we're like, absolutely. It was very inconvenient for me and Dana to go. And I almost didn't go because of it just felt inconvenient, right? It's just like, dude, it's almost, I got to work tomorrow. I'm running my own company. It's already, you know, 930 at night. I don't want to leave my house. I don't even know these people. I, I really don't want to go, Lord. You know, is it what's going on in my mind? <laughs> just be honest with you, you know? And that's one thing, too, about, you know, evangelism or when it comes to outreach, man, is that it's not always about our feelings. It's not always about what we feel. Uh, it's, it's about us being obedient to the Lord when he opens the door for us to go minister, we go minister, no matter what we feel or no matter how we feel, we do it in obedience. And so anyways, we go over their house, right? Uh, me and Dana go over their home. Uh, she's down the street at the neighbor. She comes walking up, you know, smoking her cigarette and, uh, cussing and, goes into the house we introduce ourselves we tell them who we are yes your uncle sent us over here and uh, we ask him what's going on his daughters are away on vacation with his parents because of the paranormal activity that's taking place in their house the poultry guy spirits taking place in their home tvs are cutting on by themselves he cuts one tv off across the hallway the other tv goes on by itself at full volume for no absolutely no reason just demons manifesting in his house demonic activity taking place in his home so he explains all this stuff to us and so we just tell him who we are tell him how i know know his uncle we just tell him what we're going to pray over your home we're going to take authority over your house in in jesus name the wife now comes into the to the house they sit down on the couch. They're separate. They're sitting on separate ends of the couch, away from each other. And so we go through their home, binding demons, casting out devils. And me and Dana's upstairs, and uh, I felt the spirit of mockery rise up in my spirit. And Dana felt the spirit of mockery rise up in her spirit. And she's on the other end of the hallway, and I'm on the other end of the hallway, away from each other. At the same time that we felt the spirit, without saying it out loud. We felt it. We felt it first. And then we looked at each other. We said, spirit of mockery. Like we both like picked it up in the rim of the spirit and said it at the same time, spirit of mockery. And so we just started bombarding and coming against the spirit of mockery because uh, uh, the demon of mockery, because this lady had Bible scriptures up in her house, but yet they weren't living the gospel, right? He's on a heroin. She's smoking weed. She's smoking cigarettes, you know, 
they're drinking, they're just, you know, not really engaged, not really having power encounters with the Lord. And so we take authority over this stuff and cast it out of their house. But when we come back downstairs, they're sitting together on the couch, all huddled up close <laughs> together. From this time forward, man, I mean, this is like last year, you know, this took place. Uh, um, man, they have grown exponentially in the Lord. They're on fire for God now. He's free from heroin. He's successful awesome. at his company. He's no longer, you know, doing drugs, no longer strung out. And so, yes, every Friday night they have Bible. They've been having Bible studies. They started their own Bible study at their house. They were coming to the gathering. They come and learned and saw what we were doing and then pretty much pioneered and started their own home group. And we helped them pioneer and start their own home group at the same time. We would go down there on Friday nights and have meetings, just kind of help them get it, get it going, show them how to do it kind of thing and just turn them loose, man. And so, yeah, Friday nights, they meet in Lawrenceville uh, over uh, a little bit past the Mall of Georgia. Um, so, uh, yeah, man, it's awesome. Go ahead. Gotcha. And really, the reason I was asking was it, it was just briefly brought up as we were talking to Dana. And I couldn't tell if it was something that um, that they were looking to grow or if they were looking for people to meet with or I just didn't know. So I was asking about details since we are in, uh, since we're in Lawrenceville and um, we're over in downtown Lawrenceville. So if they're a little bit past Mall of Georgia, then they're probably pretty close to us. Um, you know, we were going to say like, Hey, we can, we can meet in our house if that's what they're looking for. We were, I was just trying to find out, um, you know, if there's some people who are close, who are trying to grow something or do something, you know, we'd, we'd love to meet them and, um, you know, possibly be a part yeah, of it or, yeah, or help them out, great, help them out or whatever. Yeah, I think it'd be a great connection with you guys, man. They're, they're, they actually drove up here last Sunday and the Sunday before to attend our Sunday service at church, man. And so, nice. uh, the, and they're great, the great people, man, they're, they love curry. <laughs> yeah. So they love curry, you know, um, but yeah, you know, they're, they're a product of why, why outreach, you know, why the gospel, man. And, uh, I mean, it's just amazing, man. I'm just, I just, I love the Lord. I love, you know, I, I love today, man. Even, even though we didn't see, you know, uh, you know, thousands of people coming to the kingdom today, man. You know, we still saw some awesome stuff today, man. Even at that one apartment complex where we had the confrontation, man, that lady right there at the end that came up and just got prayer and got healed in her back right there. You know, oh, that, yeah, that yeah. was amazing. That was awesome. You know, she got touched by the Holy Ghost. And, you know, the kids that, that the, 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 uh, the inner city area, the low income apartments that we went to, those kids, man, the, the church bus runs in that community on wednesday nights and picks those kids up and brings them to church nice. you know so all those kids that you were getting to minister to today to today are kids that come to our church on wednesday nights man and so awesome. it's just awesome and i, I just foresee when they were so I, excited I, too man yeah that, that if we continue to plow you know and and right there you know especially right there we may end up turning that whole neighborhood to the Lord. You know, those kids are going to be excited about the Lord. They're going to go home and tell their parents about it. And it's, just, mm -hmm. it's just amazing. 
It really is, you know, and that's that's the thing, you know, exactly why when we started this out that you, the statements you had of outreach is essential. It, it just keeps just echoing around that <clears throat> some of these people wouldn't, they would never, they would never hear the gospel, you know, that's why, you know, the, yeah. and, and the, the seeds that are planted, you know, who knows if somebody we talk to today don't like you said, you know, start their own, their own thing. Maybe they, maybe they just seen the way we were acting today and they're like, you know what, maybe I should get a Bible and, and delve into this a little bit different on, on, on my own. And, you know, maybe it's not all about the structure that, that I grew up in thinking that this is the way it's got to be legalistic and, and all full of church and ease and, you know, it's, it's, it's being a doer and a hearer, you know, that's the thing is we're, we're walking the kingdom. We're not just going, putting on our Jesus jacket. Yeah. And, and, and going to church, you know, or yeah. going to the structure. I've gotten to the point where I don't even like to call, the structure a church anymore because it's 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 i believe it takes away from who and what we do as the bride of christ when we actually hit the streets because that's the real church that's what the church was in the first century they would hit the streets they would they would get out and preach then one of the people that they were preaching to would be like hey let's go to my house we'll eat We'll have communion with each other. And then you could preach some more at my house. And that's what church was. It wasn't, oh, well, we got uh, the Baptist church over here on 3rd, the Pentecostal church over here on 7th Street. And, uh, oh, we got the Catholics over here on, uh, on West Main. You know, that, that building means nothing. That building is, is comfort. That building keeps us out of the rain. It keeps us air conditioned, whether warm or cooled. But it, it's it, it, it's all it does. It's, 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 a it's that building provides a place for us to practice our freedom of religion. You know, that's really, it. And it, you know, that's what society is wanting to push us into. They they're wanting to push us right. inside of that to keep us from 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 growing. They, they nope. push us back into a cell. That's what it is. It's it's turning into a cell. And nope. We've got to step out of and, that structure. You know, you know that guy came out complaining that we he didn't want to hear the gospel being preached on his day off on a Saturday. You know, um, he didn't say anything Fox about Monday. Long. He didn't say anything about Monday through Friday. So. I may just end up going and setting back up. <laughs> James, I like what you said, though, man. It's turning into a cell. Um, out there. <laughs> you know, that's that man. That's so true. And I, I talk about every time I see neighborhoods or homes with, uh, a fence around it and a gate on the driveway. Uh, and it's not so much, you know, your private home, 
if you've got a fence around it and a gate, but uh, like a lot of these neighborhoods and, and houses and condo units in down in Atlanta um, or apartment complexes that are gated, you know, I'm like, yes, maybe it's keeping people out from just driving in here randomly, but if they wanted to, it can also keep you in, you know, and I say that all the time, like the, one of the, one of the condos that I do uh, a lot of work at, I do their facility maintenance and I have um, a number of clients that I work on their, their condos personally. Um, their parking deck, their parking garage is under the building. So you got to have a code to get into the garage. And I have watched this thing multiple times, the garage door malfunction and they can't get out. They can't get their cars out. Like the other day I was working on a guy's condo for him personally, not working on the building, not working on the facility, but on his. And he came and was like, Hey, um, one of my neighbors is in the, in the parking deck and somebody broke the garage door and nobody can get their cars out. Are you able to come fix it? And I was like, dude, what if I wasn't here? Like, you know, the, the garage door people aren't coming out as quickly as you guys want them. And right now, all of you guys are trapped here. All of your car, yeah, you could walk out the front door and call an Uber, but all of your cars are stuck. And so just kind of a, you know, an example, as you were talking about the church being like a cell, it, it kind of does the same thing where not only is it, is it kind of a wall and a barrier that keeps people out because they don't feel comfortable going into your little community. You, you've already built up these walls that make me feel uncomfortable going in here. I feel like an outsider. I've, I'm not part of your little community. I'm, you know, I mean, how, how weird does it feel to go into a church for the first time even when you're invited, even if you're going, if somebody invited you there and you're like, I know somebody that goes here, they invited me. But what about not being invited? I've done that before. I've walked into churches and I, I don't, I don't get embarrassed or uncomfortable easily at all. I will walk into a church that I've never been into and just go in and listen to the preaching or just go in because you say your doors are open for prayer. I'll go in there and pray, you know, like, I don't care. But a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people won't do that. But on the on the same on the same token, it keeps people in. They feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. They feel like this is church. This is where I go to meet God and to experience God. And this is where I go to express myself in whatever way, you know, whatever spiritual way um, that I'm comfortable with. Some people are more stoic. Some people like to lift their hands. Some people like to make a little bit more noise. Depends on your, you know, your Some denomination, I guess. Crying like a baby. Yeah. Depends. On, yeah. That's <laughs> me and you. Um, <laughs> depends on, on, you know, where you're at, how you were raised, your personality, whatever. But that cell works both ways where people get stuck on the inside of those walls and they feel like they can't or they're not supposed to or they're not comfortable being the church outside of it and i you know we hear people say it all the time like your faith your religion is your personal like that's that's your thing keep it to yourself people don't want you to push that on them well if i love you 
And I truly believe that my faith and, and faith in Jesus and giving my life to him is the only way for you to have eternal life and for you to overcome this temporary life. If I really believe that and I really love you the way that I'm supposed to, the way I'm told to, and even taking, taking that a little bit farther, if I love you the way that I should anyway, if I've given my life to Christ and if I've submitted my life to him and if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to love you the way that he loves me. And, you know, then I, I'm, I'm almost obligated to share this with you. And sometimes obligated has a little bit like, oh, I have to do this even if I don't want to, but it's, it's not that it's, it, if I really believe this, I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to share this with you even if I'm a little bit pushy about it, because I can see the bridges out ahead of you. I can see where you're headed. And I, I love you so much that I'm willing to make you a little uncomfortable by telling you these things. Um, but man, that prison cell, dude, that's, that's a real powerful picture right there. Well, you know, it's, I can't remember where I heard it first, but I've heard, you know, even I think even Jason has said it, you know, like if your house was on fire and I was driving by, you would want me to stop and you would want me to tell you, hey, you're in trouble. Things are going wrong here. But when it comes to repentance and and everlasting life, they want to get an attitude towards it, you know, and it, it's, it's the same thing, you know, like, well, you, you say you want me to love you. And I do, because that's just, I, I pray for the compassion that Christ has for everybody. I want that same compassion. I want that same love that when I look at you, I see you as being an image of God and I want you to have that everlasting life. I want you to be safe. I don't want you to go to a place that was never designed for humans in the first place. But they don't yeah. see it as a fire. They see it as, yeah. as you're trying to push your religion. And it's like, you know what? I'm not trying to push any religion. Right. You know, I'm trying to save your life because I love you. And that's what I've been told to do by the creator. And that's the thing, you know, it, that's why we share our testimonies and our testimonies, all three of ours. I mean, we know each other's testimony back and forth. You know, we can give each, each one of us can give every one of our testimonies to at the drop of the hat because they're so it's the same. And if they only really knew where we came from, the things that we have seen, you know, it's not like, well, I know for me, okay, you know, I know both of you guys say, you know, you, that you, you, you had some time in the church growing up, but I never did, you know, I never had any of that. The only time I had a little bit of church was when I was 13 to 15 years old or so. And that time I was just trying to get church girls. That's all I was doing was going to church to get church girls. They were a bit easier to be honest, you know, uh, <laughs> uh -huh. I mean, let, let's be honest, you know, and uh, right. 
so I never have, but I seen the religious side. I seen, you know, people who would come to church, but then they were buying me alcohol, you know, or they were selling me weed, you know, it's like, okay, well, you guys aren't living anything, you know, you're not, you're not walking in the kingdom. I had no idea. I was just, I got put off by it, but I don't know. That's why the Holy spirit. Well, that's why the Holy spirit is, is vital to our walk because we can't go out and even sharing our testimony, it can be powerful and somebody can be like, you know, wow, that's awesome. That's great for you. I've heard this multiple times when I'm sharing my testimony. That's great for you, man. I'm really happy for you, but I've never experienced that. And it's the same way as when we're ministering one-on-one, it's so much, it's so much more powerful when it's in person, when it's one-on-one in person, because that's when God really has a chance to connect with whoever you're ministering to. And, you know, it's not, it's not our job to convict somebody of their sin or their need for a savior. That's what the Holy spirit does. That's part of his job. And so when we go out and we are just, we're being, we're, we're being authentic. We're preaching an uncompromised gospel. We are, you know, we're, we're not saying, Oh, it's okay that you live in whatever sin, but we're also not out there just preaching condemnation to somebody and saying, you know, you're, you're going to hell because you're not good enough or you're not doing the right thing or you're not going to my church or you're not taking communion the way that we take communion or whatever it might be that different people preach. It's when we go out, the, the goodness of God draws men to repentance and the Holy spirit is the one who convicts people of their sin and their need for a savior. So as we're going out and we are being authentic, whether it's sharing a testimony or preaching the word or doing whatever, praying for somebody, if we are reliant on the Holy spirit to do his part, then it, it, it almost, it almost doesn't matter quite so much what we're saying or how it, I mean, it does, but it almost doesn't matter so much what we're saying or how eloquent we speak, or if our words of knowledge are super specific or accurate or our prayers are, you know, the, the best and the most powerful or, or any of that stuff. You know, I've had some pretty lame prayers that there wasn't a whole lot that was real specific. And I've watched people start crying because God was touching them, you know, and I've, I've gone into situations where, you know, just the other night, like we went out to a a local, uh, like a bubble tea, um, little smoothie type place near us. And the guy who just took over it, young guy, he's from France um, he, he makes all the pastries himself and we, we've only been in there twice. And I, I, I recognized the passion that was coming from this dude. And from the first time we visited after we left, I was like, man, I, I want, I want to pray for this guy. I want to pray with him or pray for him or speak some kind of blessing over him. Whenever I go back, if I see him, I'm going to do that. All right. So the last time we went in a few days ago, I asked him, I was like, Hey, 
And I was like, I've been thinking about this since we met you the first time. And I was like, are you a Christian? And he was like, yes. And I was like, all right. I was like, I thought that you were. And I, I told him that I, something along the lines of, I, I could sense your, the joy that just comes out of you. And, and the time that you took talking to us, talking to us about the, the pastries that you cook and the passion that you have for what you're doing here. And so I was able to, I was, you know, I asked him if I could pray for him and I was able to pray for him and just speak blessing over his business and that, that the love and the joy and the passion that he has, um, you know, his clients, his customers would, would sense that and they would feel that and they would want to come back and experience it. But I, man, I was wanting some powerful word of knowledge to like speak over this dude. I went into it wanting that. And my prayer wasn't it fell short of my expectations, but it seemed to be exactly what he needed to hear. You know, it wasn't anything that made him start crying. It wasn't anything miraculous or super powerful or anything, but it seemed to, to be because it was genuine because it came from my heart and it was, it was just speaking into what he does and that he's clearly passionate about. It was exactly what he needed. Um, you know, and I think that's the most, I think that's the most important part as we get out still time, still time back to the evangelism part and getting out and doing ministry that was ministering to somebody who already knows Jesus already says that he's a Christian. And, you know, there were, there were no miraculous healings that, you know, nobody, you know, nobody got slain in the Holy spirit, nothing, nothing crazy like that. No, no real super specific words of knowledge or anything, but it was, it was acknowledging what I, what I felt from him. It, it was acknowledging what I sensed when I got around him and how I was blessed by him just being himself and, and doing what he's passionate about and what God's gifted him to do. Um, I don't know how I got on that really. Yeah. Something one of you guys said triggered that. Oh, what'd you, hey. what'd you say, James? I was asking if Jason had something going there. I said his mic was, was open for a while. Oh, go go ahead, man. Go ahead, brother. No, no, no. I, I, I'm done. I was waiting on you. Uh, you go ahead. I'm all right. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, again, that's just it. That's just us being disciples, true disciples, and and finding the people, you know, like Jason was saying, if you, you know, getting into this and you, you're early on into it, finding those people who are already doing it, you know, and I think, I thank God for, uh, one, for Christ Fellowship, for pulling us all together. Cause it was one of those situations where I met a dude out in the woods. I didn't know him from Adam, you know, who invited me to go to this church and it had been, uh, okay. So Gavin was 16 years old. We'd been in a church two times in his life, one for a funeral, one for a wedding. So, you know, it wasn't like, but I had nothing else. I tried everything else, every drug in the world, as many girls as I could fit in one bed, nothing worked, nothing made me happy. You know, it, it didn't matter how long of a line of cocaine I did. Ten minutes later, I was needing to do another line of cocaine just to 
to try to feel something. And uh, it was that situation of not knowing anything, but I, that's the type of person I am. You know, I don't, I, one, never been shame in my game. And, and two, um, I'm an extrovert, man. I, I want to be out there. I want to, I want to see these things happen. And if it wasn't for that church and I, I kind of knew the first time I met Jason, I was like, there's something up. I was like, God's wanting me to hang with this guy for some reason. There's some reason that, that this dude just come up and stood beside me because I stand in the same spot every time, you know, that's the spot I got saved. So that's why I like to stand there. And uh, <laughs> I just thank God that, uh, that, that he painted us in this picture and, you know, them, me and you meet Joshua and, you know, well, it's crazy because uh, I seen Jason post something about some FE and I was like, oh, got another one right here. And I was like, that's insane that, you know, here I am been talking to this dude and I had no idea because I, you know, I ain't going around just wearing it on a shirt or anything, Joshua. Uh, <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> yeah, you do, brother. As soon as I seen it, I said, "That's my boy right there." I was like, "God put another one right here." And then you know, it just so happened that when you and Jason met, it was like, "Boom! This is going to be, this is going to be our crew. This is going to be our, our on the streets, hitting the world in their face with the gospel. We don't care, you know. Like, it don't matter where we go. We don't ever water down. We don't ever change." What, what have we got to lose? Exactly. You know, I've been hand yep. in hand with the devil. You know, I walked hand in hand with him. But in the other hand, God had me. And I had no idea. You know, none. You know, I thought that most of the time I would, I would blaspheme against God just because, one, I was so arrogant, you know. And it, it, that was the thing is, like, we had to get that get that arrogance out of me and uh, turn it over to, to what it really is, you know, being, being proud of, of the creation that I am, not just of being carnally proud, which was the way, well, I mean, most humans are anyway. Well, go ahead, brother Jason. Uh, yeah, you're, you're fine, man. I just, I was just, I was just saying, you know, what have we got to lose, man? You know, mm, what have we got to lose? I, what have we got to lose? I mean, really? I mean, if we die, we win. Exactly. <laughs> if we live until the final coming of the Lord, we win. <laughs> you know, as long you as know, we're living right. What was it? <laughs> Brother Bill, was that his name today? Yeah, yeah. The deacon? That's what I told him. He because yeah. I saw him flank that guy, and I was like, "Oh, he's flanking him." And uh, you know, that's when dude jumped up in my face and was like, uh, "I can't remember what he said. Something, something, something." Mf'er. And he thought that cussing at me was going to scare me. You know, like I said, I said, "Okay, well, go ahead and make your move." You know, go ahead and make your move. That's all I said. I didn't say it in a, a aggressive voice. I just gave him the the look in my eye. Was like, "I don't fear you." I don't fear anything in this world anymore. I don't fear any man. Like you said, Jason, what do we have to lose? If I die spreading the gospel, then our father has got a special seat for me. You know, I get a martyr's chair. 
<laughs> I don't no, have standing to... on standing on the word, you know, ultimately standing on the word and being like, you know, no matter what, I'm not going to budge from this has been one of the biggest things for me that has built confidence in the stands that I'm willing to take, you know, the places where I'm willing to like, is this the hill you're going to die on kind of thing mm-hmm. is it's, it's God's word. So I'm standing on it regardless yes. of what, you know, regardless of what culture, regardless of what the world, regardless of what scientism or other preachers have to say, I'm standing on what the word of God says and if that, if, you know, if that goes along with what I can witness and what I can see and what I've experienced and what is, um, test, you know, testable and, uh, observable, great. But if what I see with my eyes contradicts what, the, what God's word is, I'm still going to stand on God's word. And, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest things lately, especially on that other topic is like, I don't yeah, I'm willing to wear it on a shirt. Yeah, I'm willing to talk to everybody about it. Because for one, most importantly, God's word says this. And two, if you go out and you actually say some of these things out loud, and you actually think about it, it's retarded. But God's word says this. And so if we're going to say that this is this is God breathed, and it goes for, you know, it goes for so many things. It's like, yeah, that's all scripture. That's exactly, exactly. <laughs> Jason knows what's up. Yeah. I, I don't care who you are, what kind of platform you got or how special you think your anointing is. You know, we're, we don't pick and choose. We don't pick and choose what part of God's word we say. We say, oh, God was honoring this person's ignorance. No, the Bible don't say that. The Bible don't say that God, God was honoring Joshua's ignorance when he prayed for the sun to stand still, because now we know that the, the sun doesn't move. And we actually, well, what about back there in Isaiah? We were reading Isaiah just a little while ago. And in chapter 38, it talks about the sun was turned back on the dial and all right. So what about that? So was that, was that his ignorance as well? <laughs> you know, well, guys, I mean, I'll be completely honest with you. It was finding out through the studies that I, I went down and finding out that, you know, FE is true. And it was all leading to the Bible. Everything that I was searching and researching was leading to scripture. And I'm like, holy smoke, like, all of this is leading to scripture and mm-hmm. the, 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 the straw that broke the camel's back was Warner Von Braun's grave marker. You know, this guy could have had mm-hmm. the hugest marble in, you know, etched, engraved heliocentric models, spacecrafts, everything, but he's got a plaque with his name, the date of birth, his death date, and Psalm 19.1. Mm-hmm. And when I read that, and then I go, well, what is Psalm 19.1? And then I go and read it, and I'm like, he was telling us the truth there. Mm-hmm. That's the only time this guy told the truth. He knew it was over yeah. with. He knew life was ending as he knew it. 
And he finally told the truth. Yeah. And that's what, yeah. dude, right there, from that point on, I was like, okay, well, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it ties, it, you know, it ties into so many things, though, because as you, as you search the scriptures and you, you, do your best you know at first it's it really is it's stepping out and doing your best you know when it comes to ministering healing praying for healing things like mm-hmm. that yes there there is truth to what um you know specifically pagani said just that 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 quote where he's like god honors us in our ignorance or whatever there is truth to that whereas when i first stepped out when i first started learning about healing and I stepped out and I was asking God to heal people. I was praying like, yeah. I was not praying exactly in, in line with the way that scripture tells us to. Scripture tells us to go out and heal the sick. He didn't say go out and ask God to heal or go out and pray for healing or any of that. So the way that I was, I was ministering healing was in accordance with my faith. It was it was at the level of my faith and my understanding of scripture. But that's not the same as saying scripture isn't accurate and and God was honoring his this this person's ignorance. No, nowhere in, in the Bible does it say that. You know, no. it, it's it's a bit different. It's a bit different where when you are first learning about something and you're like, oh, we're supposed to go out and do this, and, and God heals people when we Actually, lay hands on them. Okay, to say, to say that God honors ignorance is totally against Scripture. Totally against Scripture. And not, I'm not, and I know the analogy that you're using. I'm not saying that you're wrong, but because I know where your your perspective and where you're what you're speaking from. I'm just right, saying right. the sense of the person that said that that yes. goes against Scripture, man. Hosea four six. Says that mm-hmm. we are destroyed for a lack, for of, lack knowledge. of knowledge, because yes. thou hast rejected, rejected knowledge. Not- I will reject Ooh. thee, and I'll yeah. also bring the curse upon your children. Upon that your is, children. God does not honor ignorance. God honors yeah. the fact that we seek knowledge, that we seek yeah. after truth. That's what God honors. He doesn't honor mm-hmm. ignorance. So to say that God honored Joshua's ignorance is to completely go against Scripture. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, in you know, it, the other thing is, you know, it, just on that specific topic, if if you're talking about oh, it interprets or or the Bible's translated like this, and you can interpret it like you know, like one way. There are different places where it talks about the firmament being translated and interpreted as the expanse so people talk about space being an ever expanding universe and it's like well you got to tie in you know line upon line precept upon precept and if you go through all of all of scripture and you look at everything that talks about creation you look at everything that talks about the firmament you look at everything that talks about how God created these things and the words that were used and the way he describes it, it all paints a very clear picture. And that picture used to be a literal illustration in the older, you know, a KJV uh, uh, Bibles. There used to be a literal illustration in there that was drawn 
based on all of these different verses and there's like 200 and something of them that that all talk about you know the that all talk about creation and and the way that god describes it uh and all of these things but you know to tying that tying that in and just the accuracy of the scripture and as you start to study it out and as you start to walk it out and learn learn more you you realize how true and how accurate every single bit of it is and so all it does is it builds your confidence for other things like this you know a lot of people talk about how miraculous healings and things like that aren't for today or the guy earlier was like, oh, well, you know, t- uh, tongues ceased. And he's like, I got a scripture that says it. Well, pull that up because it doesn't say what you're saying it says. And, you know, the more that you study it, the more that you read it, the more you realize like, oh, it actually, all of these things are real. They are still real. They're still accurate. And multiple other places in here confirm it then it builds your confidence for something else. You know, if, yeah. you ex- if, if you step out and experience one part of the Bible that you might not have ever experienced before, it builds your faith for another part of it. It builds your confidence for another part of it. Yeah, that's good. Well, brothers, it's 11 o'clock. Y'all want to wrap this thing up or y'all want to keep on going? Yeah, I think it's a good enough time as any. Yeah, yeah. Um, seems like uh, we need to uh, go ahead and put a bow on it. Uh, Pastor Jason, you want to lead us out in prayer? Yeah, absolutely. Father God, I just thank you for another wonderful day, Lord. God, let's yes, have does. Holy Ghost visions, trances, dreams, visions, encounters tonight. Lord, as we lay down to rest, Lord, I ask for a hedge protection to be around our family, Father God. Lord, I ask for those that are tuned in and listeners tonight, Lord, that seed would be sown into their heart, Father. Seed would be watered, Lord, and seed would be harvested, Father God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Yes, I want to thank everyone who has listened, uh, who will listen. Uh, Again, you can find us here every Saturday night at 8.30 Eastern Daylight Time. That's the Watchman Podcast. Uh, If you want to listen later, we are on Anchor. And uh, we will soon be doing it on Restream with video. Uh, Just catch us there. Uh, We'll see you next Saturday. Um, I thank you much. Thank everybody for listening. I thank you, Jesus. You are awesome. I love you. Amen. Awesome. All right, guys. All right. Love you guys. Love you.